Is your life mission true? Or do you believe that you were created by accident? A random occurrence? Or how many of you felt that uh, in your life at some point you didn't really know where you were headed or why? Right? I know none of you in this room have felt that way. I mean, I have felt that way. But we were created for a purpose. God didn't make an accident with us. He didn't shortchange us or leave us in the dark. He did create us for a purpose. And so once in a while, it might be a good idea to ask ourselves if we are true to that mission. Are we true to the mission that God made us for? Are we true as a church for the mission that God made us for? Because drift is natural. Staying true to course requires intention and effort. Drift is natural. Staying true requires intention and effort. Here's a picture of the six basic instruments in any aircraft, small or large. There is the airspeed indicator. That's on the left with all the numbers. It looks like a speedometer. In the middle is, on the middle on the top, that is the attitude indicator. That tells you kind of what uh, attitude or uh, the, the, the aircraft has according to the horizon. On the right is the altimeter. That tells you high, how high off the ground you are. On the left hand down, bottom left, that's the turn coordinator. Um, in the middle on the bottom, that is the heading indicator. That tells you which direction you are headed. Uh, and then on the bottom right is the vertical speed indicator. That means whether you're going up or you're going down and at what rate. Now, we, uh, I got to take um, my son with a pilot friend and a couple of our friends uh, yesterday up to San Francisco uh, to see a Dodgers game. Now, that might be weird um, because usually you would go to L.A. to see a Dodgers game, especially if you're a Dodgers fan. Um, but for me, uh, the, 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 for us, the game that kind of close, most closely um, uh, matched his birthday was yesterday's game in San Francisco. So we flew up there, and you know it was windy yesterday, yeah. right? I mean, it was windy here. It was really windy in the Bay Area. Well, we, when we have a little bitty airplane, not like an airliner, um, that uh, my, our, my pilot friend was flying us up in, and uh, the, um, you know, you would think that if you, you, you go up and you plug in your destination and you keep your, your arms, your hands, and your feet and kind of everything in the same position, you'll stay true to course until you get there. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Why? Because external forces always push us off course. It requires internal adjustments to keep you on course through an environment. That's true of your life. That's true of our church. 
That's why you see many times, um, and we see this all around the world, uh, churches that have lost a generation. Right? Churches that have gone through a season where they keep doing the things the same way as they've always done and always remembering and looking back to the way things were or an experience they used to have or a way we used to praise or a way we used to do this or a way we used to do that. And the, the reality is if we keep doing the, the, the same things we've always done, we actually won't stay true to course. It's counterintuitive. Our mission requires us to continually make internal adjustments to follow Christ. That doesn't mean that his mission changes, that his word changes, that his truth changes. But the environment, the culture, the age, the generation, the time, the moment that we live in, there are plenty of external forces pushing on us all the time. And like in this aircraft, I mean, there was 30 or 40 knot winds yesterday. And if we just keep in one place, if we don't turn into the wind when we need to and pull up when there's downdrafts, and get our foot into the rudder when there, when there are different kind of forces going on and we're going through different inversion layers of temperature, we will get off course. We will get off course. Drift is natural. Staying true requires intention and effort. Now, you know many, if you can look, how many have you can think of an organization that started with a gospel-centered mission, and over time, they're doing other things that might be good, but not true to mission. I'm going to give out one, not because, uh, just give you one example. So, I love the why. I like working out at the Y. The Y is a, a great place. It does a lot of wonderful things for the community. The Y started as the Young Christian Men's Association. It was a discipleship program to help young men who had, in many sense, in, 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 uh, in, in urban settings who had really a lot of other external forces, external forces pushing on them, become followers of Christ. Now, the Y dropped the MCA over time from its name because it's now just the Y. It's not the YMCA. Now, they still do wonderful, lots of wonderful things for our community, and I'm not hating on the Y at all. They just weren't true to their original mission. They have a new mission. And, and for many organizations and things, changing mission might be okay. But for us as believers, as followers of Christ... As the church, we don't get to choose our mission. We've been given a mission. Now, God personalizes that mission for each of us and for our church. He writes our individual parts. We collectively together, right, are his masterpiece. We're his workmanship. He's given us different gifts 
but one spirit. He's preordained good works for us to do even before we were here. So we have individual parts to play, but the mission is known. Our part is for us to discover. The mission is known. Our part is for us to discover and to play. So what is the mission of agape? What is it? Reach, teach, release. Reach, teach, release. Now, apart from the mission of the church, the mission that Jesus has, the mission that Jesus gave us, those words can come to mean whatever we want them to mean. And so it's important for us to take a moment, or in this case, three weeks, and look at the mission, the individual part that God wrote for us as a church, and hold up what our application is of that. Are we living it out? Are we true to the part that God wrote for us to play? Or are we still quoting and saying, reach, teach, release, but we've left things on autopilot, and now we're 100 miles off course? Now, in some ways, we are true to mission, but in other ways, we need a tune-up. And I'm not, there is in no way am I here to point fingers or to beat us down. I am inviting you to pray, to search before the Lord about the mission, the part that he gave us to play in his mission. And whether you, whether your family, whether your household, whether we as a church, as a faith community, as an assembly are true to the mission that he gave us, the part that he wrote for us. I'm going to read you six passages of scripture, which is probably a little unusual, but I'm just going to read them all. And I want you to just listen to them again with new ears. And just allow the word to penetrate and for your heart to receive them. Because God gave us, or Jesus gave us, handed us his mission in terms of a great commandment and a great commission. And they're, all, they're recorded in all the Gospels in, in slightly different ways. But I want you to just receive this again. And then we're going to take a look at just the first word, just reach. So here are the passages of Scripture. This is from Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is from the book of Mark, chapter 12. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that Jesus had answered them well, this scribe asked Jesus, which is the first commandment or the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is this, hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord, is one. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first, the greatest commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is, singular, no other commandment greater than these. This is from the book of Luke, chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Well, what is written in the law? What is is your reading of it? So the man answered Jesus and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. Live, Zoe. You will experience the God kind of life. You will will step into the life that God has that he's invited you into. This is also from the book of Luke, chapter 24. Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding. These are the disciples. He opened the disciples' understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise, the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is from the book of Mark, chapter 16. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel to every creature, every living thing. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, or make disciples from people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Every neighborhood in San Luis Obispo. Every ethnic group. Every race. Every socioeconomic class. Every political party, every anything, every whatever, fill in the blank, go and make disciples from every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a lot in there. There's a lot that Jesus told us about mission. The mission, in a word, 
is discipleship. Discipleship. To become a disciple, to make other disciples. To become a disciple and to help others become disciples as well. To become a disciple in loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love others with the love we've been loved with so that they can in turn taste and experience that same love and learn to love with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Discipleship and love are inseparable. And so we're going to look at this reach part, this first word reach, reach, teach, and release, because Jesus personalized his mission for us, the part that he wrote for us to play in this way, to reach, teach, and release. To reach toward God and neighbor, to teach faith in Jesus Christ, and to release spirit-filled disciples. And the, the, kind of the passage that we're going to look at this morning about reach is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. It's one of the ones that I, that, I, that I read previously. And we'll read it again here. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Discipleship and love are inseparable. Now, one of the things that you see in this passage is this little phrase, all your, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's this, this all. Do you see that love is an act of the whole person? Love is an act of the whole person. You cannot love a little. You can't be divided in your heart, soul, mind, and strength and be walking and experiencing and becoming love. Because becoming a disciple of Jesus is really about becoming love. Loving with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Now, I want you to stand just for a minute so you can get, get the idea. And stretch your hands out as far as they can go reasonably to the cross. This is what it means to be all your. Because when you're like this, you can't be divided. And what do you, what do you notice about being extended, reaching, about stretching? It requires effort. It requires intention. It requires focus. Where is your attention? Yes, it's beyond you. It's not on yourself. Now, if you, 
if you need to put your arms down, you can. I'm, I'm just saying that. But if you, if you don't have to, you can, you can keep them up. I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to damage anyone in this room. But for the sake of the illustration, keep your hands up as long as you can. Because what happens? Are you, are you, are you growing? Are you more or less vulnerable than when you are sitting in your seat? Are you taking more risk now or when you're in your seat? Are you more or less comfortable now or in your seat? It's uncomfortable to be all in. It is uncomfortable to love with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You cannot be a little disciple. You can't be a divided heart and be a disciple. You can't be a divided mind, a divided soul. You can't be just a little bit of love. Love is all in. It's reaching. It's stretching. It is, it is pressing in. My arms are getting tired, so you can put them down. Okay, sit down. What does it mean to reach with your whole heart? Why does he say all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? He said that in Deuteronomy. He said that in, in every gospel. He said that all throughout the Psalms. He says that in the epistles. It's this, this all, it, it, like it requires, it recognizes that drift is natural. Drift divides the soul. It divides the heart. Drift allows us to go off course because we're stuck in our ways or we're stuck in old behaviors or we're stuck in old patterns or we're unwilling to let go of the roof, the root on the side of the river, or whatever it is. He says it requires all of you to reach with your heart is to reach with your affections and your emotions. To be emotionally present and vulnerable in his presence. To reach for him. I know nobody has come to church distracted. I know no one has ever opened their Bible and had a daydream and found out 10 minutes later that they haven't really meditated on anything from his word. I know no one has gone to pray and fell asleep. That must be only me. Yes, right? Hello. What he's inviting us into... Look at how Jesus prayed. He prayed in the night hour and in the morning. He prayed until blood came out of his his pores and his skin. He prayed in the storm. He prayed with his friends. He prayed on the mountaintop. He got up early. He prayed in solitude. He, He knew the scriptures. He studied the scriptures. All of his heart and his affections, his emotions were present. That doesn't mean he was always just happy, happy, joy, joy, right? He was a man of sorrows. It's heartbreaking to follow Christ sometimes. Because you're like this. You're reaching. It's vulnerable. You're risking. It hurts. It hurt Jesus. It hurt him a lot. He reached for us with that kind of love. 
He reached for us with that kind of affection, that kind of emotion, that kind of vulnerability. He came down. He reached for us, and it cost him a whole lot. And when we read this passage, you know, do the love with all of your heart, right, and, and your neighbor as yourself. If you, just in reading a lot of um, just theologians or Bible scholars, and I'm not just trying to just reference academic people, but the, the idea there is, is that in the same way you are loving and reaching and becoming that love, it's to share that love with others. So are you emotionally present with others? Are you, and, I, and it's not even just believers. I mean, Jesus was emotionally present, seeking to understand those he was around. His, his neighbors, his, the, the people that were in crowds, like he was present with them. It was not convenient. It was not comfortable. It was messy, sometimes smelly. But a divided heart can't reach. A divided heart cannot reach. That was reach with your heart. To reach with your soul. This is to reach with your will and your intentions. Sometimes you have no emotion or affection to point you in the right direction. Oftentimes you do, but sometimes emotions and affections are, they follow after you making the right decision because you know it's right. They don't always make it easy for you to make the right decision in advance. Can I get a witness? To reach with your will, to reach with your will and intentions is to choose God over self. To choose what is right over what is easy. To let your intentions be toward others as God's intentions have been toward you. Now, one of the ways that God personalized his mission to me, um, how he described and helped invite me into the part that I was to write or that he wrote for me to play, um, uh, he shared with me in, in January of 2012, I was leading worship at a pastor's conference, and the... Um, uh, the missionary from Ghana who was um, sharing on uh, just the, um, the work of the church or really looking at um, the, um, the explosion of the church in Ghana and the decline of the church in Southern California. And not in a way that was pointing fingers at the church in Southern California because the, there was a collection of churches that were supporting all this missionary work in Ghana. But... It was bringing and saying, what can we learn from the church in Ghana that we're missing? And he asked me, as a worship leader there, to sing Isaiah chapter 58 over all the pastors and the clergy that were there. And I had never been asked before or since ever to sing a passage of scripture. Um, that was a little daunting. But when you're just put on the spot, you have no choice but just to obey. So um, I, I, uh, I started singing. And uh, really, the, the chapter of Isaiah 58 is saying that, you know, all of God's people and all of us at some time or another, we, uh, we fast to check the box of fasting. We pray to check the box of praying. We read God's word to check the box. And we do many religious activities because they're on the checklist, not because our heart's in them. 
And God comes to his people in this chapter and he says, you guys are doing the right things, but for the wrong reasons. Therefore, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. The right reasons are not negotiable. The mission is not negotiable. We can't quote, reach, teach, and release and do something else. That should be a window for us to understand the mission of love discipleship that Jesus has given us. But as I was, as I was singing that, it gets to this point, and I hear Jesus, he puts his, his, his hands on my shoulders, and then he puts his arm down so I can see along his hand out past his finger. It's one of the only real visions that I've had in my life. And he whispered in my ear, he said, Jeff, if you will lay down that which sustains your life, then I will. And when he said, I will, I knew it to be the verb tense or the action, the great I am in action. Meaning me, I will struggle with closing my hands around everything that gets put in them. Because I want to I take care of myself. I want to get what's mine. I want to I make sure that I'm safe and secure in the things that I can get my hands on. And yet, that is not the mission of the gospel. The gospel mission is hands open. It's loving with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Him and your neighbor as if, as if our neighbor was us. We can't do that like this. I can't. That's, but that is personalized for me. That is where I struggle. I struggle with this. And when my emotions and my affections want my fingers to hold on to something that I used to have or that I don't want to lose, reaching with my soul means that my will what I know to be right is this, and I will do it. I will open my hands to the Lord, and I will leave my hands open to the Lord. And you know what? Time and time, everything that has slipped through my fingers has been replaced with something better. He has never, ever, ever left me empty-handed. How has he personalized his mission, the gospel, love discipleship for you? To reach, we're almost done. To reach with your mind is to reach with your intellect, your understanding, your imagination, your creativity. To study and apply yourself to really understand God, his ways, and his word. To study and apply yourself to understand your neighbor. Actually, to seek to understand more than to be understood. How many of you have liked to be around people that want to be heard more than they want to, be, want to listen? You love being around people that just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. Nobody's listening to me. I just want to be heard. 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 That's not reaching with your mind. Reaching with your mind is knowing and seeking to understand first. First listening to the Lord and then listening, really listening to your neighbors. Your neighbors being 
the person around you, anyone, listen, apply your mind, reach with your mind to understand. Because really only then might you ever have something gospel to say. If you're just always trying to be heard, what witness, what what kind of love are you sharing? And to reach with all your strength is to exhaust your effort, your sweat, your diligence, your resources for God. And to exhaust your effort, your sweat, your diligence, your resources for your neighbor. To work hard. It's uncomfortable. It's a reach. Sometimes it means you're exhausted. Actually, oftentimes it means you're exhausted. That's why he says, my people will, I am going to renew their strength. Why? Because it's been depleted. How many of you have experienced a depletion of strength for the Lord? Right? This, that's not supposed to be weird. That's the life we've been invited into. Because he's done that for us. That's where fullness of joy is. That's where we become love. That's how he is to us. That's how he really is. Later in uh, the next chapter, in chapter 23, Jesus says, he said the, uh, um, well, in, at the end, he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is Aaron, can you help me with this? No, I'm not going to cane you. No, but this is a hanger. What he's saying is, is that this reach, this all in of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and becoming love, and then helping to share and bring other people up in that love, that's what the entire moral law hangs on. That's what everything that was prophesied about Jesus hangs on. The whole gospel. That's what all of our religious activities, that's what our relationships, that's what our work and our vocations hang on. That is what all the psalmists and what we sing about. Everything in our life really hangs on that one thing. And if we misunderstand... What he is trying to do in us and inviting us into, just let it go. Drop, it. Drop this end. We have nothing. All the law and the prophets hang on this. Thank you, Aaron. If we hang faithfully to, on his love as a church, we can reach anyone. You know, at Agape, we are known as a friendly people on Sunday. We're known for our freedom in worship. We're known for our diverse community. Those are good things. Those are wonderful things. But do our neighbors know us as a loving people, a reaching people? Do our neighbors really know us as a loving people? a reaching people. 
I want to share with you one, one thing that I believe the Lord showed me about this moment that we're living in, this cultural moment. This is a funnel, and it's pointing up. And that funnel kind of relates or, or illustrates Sunday morning, meaning we, our model, the structure, our model of, of reaching people, reaching people with the love of Christ depends on people visiting on Sunday mornings. Except the external forces in our culture are driving people away from church much faster and much more solidly than they are blowing people towards visiting church. Now, there are many disciples that we trade members with other churches from time to time, and people get bored of one place, and they come here, and then they get bored of here, and they go somewhere else. I mean, that happens. And I'm not even saying that it's wrong to change churches. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But we're not reaching our culture, by expecting the external forces of our culture to blow people into the top. It's not happening. Once in a while it does, but not, not enough for us to fulfill our mission. Not enough for us to fulfill our mission. He said, Jeff, I, I'm going to turn the funnel on its side. We're going to reach people around our dinner tables. We're going to reach people over coffee. We're going to reach people on hikes. We're going to reach people coaching. We're going to reach people where we work. We're going to reach people and begin really reaching people so that they can taste and see and experience the God kind of love where they are. This is our mission. A reach for God is a stretch beyond comfort into his presence and power. And a reach for neighbor is a stretch beyond comfort into true hospitality and servanthood. 